place, then, then you understand now there's some other responsibilities. The other responsibilities are the, the other three poles that we're going to talk about. Um, the growth pole is today. We're going to talk about what it means to grow in Christ and to get to know um, the truth about growth. So um, anything that isn't growing is doing what? Y'all say it out loud. And if it's not growing, it's... Right. Are there any plant people here? Any people that love plants? I mean, you love plants. You you just... And, and you have that... You know, they call it the green thumb. They call it the green thumb. Okay. I have a black thumb. I'm telling you. I tell people all the time, and I know some of y'all have. You've given us as a church pastor family... You give us plants, living plants, okay? It's a suicide mission for those plants. I'm telling you, they're kamikazes. They're going in. They're not coming out. And they're not going to do good because I am going to do something stupid. Uh, I even bought some really cool plants not too long ago and thought, these look great at our house. They don't. They don't because I put them in the... I took them outside. I thought, hey, they need, they're, they're looking droopy. They need a little sun, a little water. No, they didn't. They didn't need any of that. So something went wrong and, and they were horrible after I was done with them and they died. They died. I kill every plant that comes to our house. We got this one plant that has somehow survived. I don't, and it's really because probably she manages it, but it's just survived everything at our house and it just sits on a little hearth there and just, it's just green a lot. Now it gets a little droopy and she rescues it. But, you know, if you're a plant person, you get this, right? You can tell when you look at a plant, good or bad, going up or down. We're, we're growing, we're dying. You can just tell, right? So just in case some of you can't, I'm going to uh, just ask you to check this out with me. Is that one growing or dying? You sure? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's been plenty dead, by the way. So y'all are pretty impressed. That's a good indicator. <laughs> Not a lot of life in that, is there? Right? Well, when we, when we work with our children, you spend time with children. Some of you are school teachers and some of you hang out with kids and serve the kids ministry here and you're with kids all the time. When you're with kids, you can tell if they're maturing or they're not. Like if, even physically when babies are young. Right? All you moms, man, y'all watch for those signs. Are they, are they maturing just right? I mean, is it, are their motor skills working right? Are they able to hear, you know, just right and, and am I sure they're perceiving? Is, the, is my child turning their head to the side when they look at me like there's one of their eyes are out of adjustment? We're looking at all this stuff. We're looking at all this stuff in that young child going, here are the markers of growth. Here are the markers of maturity. And we, we do that with our young teenagers. We go, okay, not, not mature, not mature, not mature, not mature. Not happening. <laughs> Something's wrong. Okay. I messed up somewhere. Kind of, right? We look at, we look at all our young people and we start watching them grow. And then all of a sudden they do something really amazing. You go, ah, oh, look how mature my son is. And, and we call people. You call, you, you get on Facebook now, but we used to call people. Um, but you get, you get just brag. You go, hey, you'll never guess what my daughter did or my son did. I'm so proud of my son for. I'm so proud of my daughter for. And you tell them because you know why? It's a mark of maturity. And you look at what they did and you go, this is, this is what it means to grow up. You know, they, they stayed by themselves at the house and they didn't burn it down. Yay! Good job, you know, broke three windows, can't find part of our dishes, but we're okay. They didn't burn the house down, right? We, we find these indicators, these markers for maturity. That's real interesting because all of that comes real natural to you, doesn't it? Just agree with me. Don't make me start over. Agree with me, right? But then when we say we've trusted Christ by grace and we found his grace to be sweet to us 
And we want that salvation that comes in with just this beautiful rush. And remember, I'm telling you, I want you to go back to the very first time when you realize you're not going to hell anymore. I was in the second grade at Greystone Christian School. A little Christian school that's not even here anymore. I was in a classroom and a, and a teacher led me in a prayer. And when we finished that prayer, my little tiny second grade heart, which really first grade I was ahead, so I was really smart enough because my mother put me in early. <laughs> um, but my little tiny heart just went, I'm not going to hell anymore. I'm going to heaven. And I remember... The excitement, I remember it was a 45-minute playground time and I missed like 30 minutes of it for this discussion to happen. That was a huge sacrifice for a second grader, you got to admit, okay? But she said, you can go on and play for a few minutes till, till I call everybody in. Man, I took off out on that thing. I remember running like, you know, like an Olympian onto that uh, playground area thinking, I am not going to hell anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm going to heaven and Jesus loves me. That's what I want us to get back to. We can't lose that grace moment. But if that grace moment is real and has really taken hold of you, then growth is next. And here's what happens with growth. Somebody, somebody has to look into your little tiny life and heart and go, not growing or growing. You know, I meant to have a good plant here, by the way, and I didn't. Because we got in really late last night and I didn't find a good plan anywhere. There's two dead, two more dead ones out back, but not any good ones. There's not even good ones out front, by the way. We're not playing people here at our church. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't like it when people do that. None of you like it when somebody looks into your life and says, Hey, are you growing spiritually? Are you maturing in the Lord? Mmm. Now you're meddling. That's not fair. You don't understand. There's all this stuff we do to go, no, 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 you're not. Don't come in. And we build these huge spiritual walls. We build these huge spiritual walls that say, no, I'm not going to let you measure that. We measure everything else, whether it's growing. If you're a business owner here today, if you work for a company or you're a business owner and you're, you're high up in a company, your company's all the time checking to see, are we growing or are we dying? Because if we're dying, we're in trouble, Right? I mean, there, there's only those two directions. Spiritually, somehow, when we start evaluating, we don't do well. We don't do well. I remember, oh, and especially to my young ministers. Oh, we're oh, there it is. <laughs> don't sneak up on one. Both of them. Okay. I got you. I gave you your freebie from last week. Remember, you didn't have to take notes last week. But some of you are mad that you didn't have notes because you're keeping a notebook that's in honor of me, and uh, you have it on your home and your special, you know, table at home and. Your family sits around and goes, hey, these are all the sermons I've ever heard Pastor Dan preach, and I just want to review those sometime. So those of you that have those notebooks, that's what I gave you that for. Um, those of you that just need paper to put in your fireplace, there's another thing for So <clears throat> but here's, here's really what I'm trying to help you understand. Your growth is supposed to be evaluated, and you young pastors, our young team of staff and ministers, and these young guys that are coming up to grow and serve in churches, you know, when you start looking at the senior citizens or the middle-agers and start looking at them, here's the problem. I remember when I was a 21-year-old pastor. 21. Little baby. Little baby, just brand new church. Alliance Church in Birmingham. And I remember going to them. They asked me, hey, will you be on the elder deacon committee? Well, sure, I'd be honored. That's cool. I mean, like something you write on your resume. I was on the elder deacon committee at this church. 
I sat in this elder deacon meeting and everybody in the room had gray hair. Except me. I was just losing mine real bad at 21 already. Truth, truthfully. But here, here I am, this young guy, young, I'm on staff. I'm the, young, I'm the youth pastor making $35 a month. Man, I'm so excited to serve this church. Whew. Giving my all to this little church. And here I am serving with this church. And they want me on the committee and we're going to go over a list of names of men that are deacons and men that are elders. Well, hey, I'm going to read my Bible a little bit about what a deacon and elder is. And I realized the difference in a deacon and an elder when I read and studied my Bible for like 25 minutes before this meeting. The only difference is an elder, the Bible says, is apt to teach. Apt to teach. And it just means he's able to and willing to teach. A deacon is the same, all the same qualifications spiritually and emotionally and sound of character and all that. He just doesn't have to teach. A deacon's the guy that goes, hey, I'm not really good at explaining things. I'm just good at doing things, right? There's some of y'all that are good deacons. You're not going to be elders because you're missing that one little ingredient. An elder of a church is supposed to be able to teach. So we're going through the list. And there's this gentleman. I'm not going to call his name because his family probably still alive. <clears throat> there's this gentleman on the list. And I said, hey, I don't think I've ever heard him teach before. Why are we moving him from the deacon list to the elder list? Well, he's been here at the church for, you know, 12 years, and, and uh, this is just like a, a, a promotion for him. And I'm telling you, I'm 21 years old, and I'm just stupid. I'm in a room full of people, and I went, huh? There's no promotion in the body of Christ? There's no status. A deacon's not better than an elder, and an elder's not better than a deacon. I'm just sitting there blabbing away. Pastor's turning pale red, you know? Eventually he's beet red, and then he's just mad. And he goes, okay, here's how we do things. And I mean, I got put in my place in a hurry, and I was like, um, I thought we did it by the Scriptures. And all I'm asking is, does he ever te- does he fill in in a Sunday school class? Because if he ever filled in one time, I'd go, apt to teach, good, we're good. No, he doesn't like to. He actually turns it down. Time out. Time out. Just simple me, 21 years old. Not an elder, just a great deacon. Oh, he painted the sign on our van. Well, good for him. He's got a great handwriting too, by the way, with a big brush. That's awesome. You know? Well, he helped build this pavilion. Well, great for him. Not apt to teach? No. Could he teach somebody how to paint on the van? Nope. We've had people try. Nope. (laughs) Not doing that. So I'm like, he's not the guy. Sorry. Now, this is just a spiritual growth moment in his life. I'm looking at the pastor. Actually, was called to meet with the pastor right after the meeting. (laughs) And... (laughs) I'm telling him, I'm saying, why don't you just go talk to him and ask him, would you be willing to teach? Now, I'm not talking about like in church. You don't have to stand up here. You don't even have to have a room of five men you're seeing. You could go to the nursery, you know, and teach a nursery rhyme to a bunch of kids and me go, after teach, we're good. Hey, you got it. He's got a little teaching thing happening in his life and he's willing to mature to that level. He's willing to change a little bit. He's willing to take his gifts and use them as God designed it as an elder, not a deacon. He's an elder. Got pastor said, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that because he's a little testy about all this. I'm like, excuse me? A little testy? Yeah, he's got an attitude. Really? How did he be a deacon? Well, he's been here 12 years. And I'm telling you, I, I about tore a little church apart accidentally. Truck, I promise you to all those people that may ever hear this from that church, it was total accident because it started a little storm in the older ladies that were on that committee 
were looking at their Bibles as well, and they started going, well, we should ask him. So the pastor wasn't willing to ask this gentleman, but the ladies did the next Sunday. They got him in a room and said, would you be willing, we know you've, you've been nominated as an elder, would you be willing to teach a Sunday school class if you needed a sub? Would you help with the children's class? Could you do anything like that? And I mean, he just pitched a little fit and said, no way, I've told you all before, I don't teach you, I'm not getting in front of you, no money. You know, and you're going, and so then they are all riled up and they're like, well, he's not an elder. That's what I said. Okay? And then he quit our church. One of our most prominent guys. You know, been there 12 years. He and his family and his children who were in my youth group <laughs> all left our church that Sunday and never came back. I'm just telling you that story because I'm telling you when, if it's okay for you to evaluate your children, and you even evaluate other people's children, don't you? Don't you, don't you help other moms? You go, hey, I'm not sure, I'm not sure he's getting all his math. <laughs> I watched him do math the other day and said, I'm not sure he's getting all that. We help other moms out. We help other dads out. You know, I'm not sure he's good with a hammer. Let's not let him have a hammer for another year. Or let's give him some school for that, right? That didn't go very well, right? We help each other. But all of a sudden, when it becomes a spiritual matter, it's like nobody's supposed to meddle with you. Nobody's supposed to work on your spiritual growth or check on you. And I'm telling you, that's as unscriptural as it gets. Because the 21-year-olds in this room that are walking with Jesus should be helping the 50-plus-year-olds, should be helping the 80-plus-year-olds in this room grow up in their faith. And we should be able to talk to each other about it. And the 80-plus-year-olds should be growing in their faith and looking at the 50-year-olds and the 20-year-olds and going, hey, you're missing this point, big guy. That's how it's supposed to work. Spiritual growth is a community effort. We have to work together on it. So let me give you a couple of quick notes. Does that make sense to you? So nobody's going to quit tomorrow for me? All right. All right, so the call to growth comes from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul Man, what a powerful verse. Brothers, I could not address you as spirits. He's writing to the church at Corinth that he planted. He set this church up, got it going, spent, spent a ton of time with them, ministering to them, getting their elders and deacons, all getting all these people working together. And here we go. We're reaching out and we're serving Christ. And he goes, Hey, I'm writing back to you now 18 months later. I'm writing you this letter 18 months later. And I can't address you as spiritual, but as worldly, as infants in Christ. He called them babes in Christ in one translation. You're just babies. And he's mad. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you're not ready, not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. Paul's saying, you know, when I was there and you were new Christians, I was feeding you milk, spiritual milk. Because you were young new Christians, spiritual milk. But you should be drinking way different stuff now. You should actually be gaining nutritionist meat from the Scriptures. You should be deeper and stronger in your faith. He's saying to the Corinthian church, you are supposed to have grown up by now. 18 months after you knew Christ. You're supposed to grow up. And I should be able to write to you about powerful, deep, ministry-level stuff. But instead, you're just stuck here spinning your wheels real immature. So the call for us to grow is is we're not going to be a church that has a whole bunch of senior citizens that are big babies. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen that are senior citizens. And by great God's grace, so far we don't. We've got good, we've got good, grown-up, mature senior citizens. 
They put up with all the nonsense of their pastor and their leadership, and they ministered to us back. But I've been in churches where the senior citizens were just big babies. You know, we don't like it when you do that, and I don't like that, and oh, I'm not going to go there anymore if y'all start doing that or sing that song one more time. And you go, what in the world? You know, how old are you? <laughs> like, how really, how old are you? Because something's not mature in you. It's not mature. And so Paul's calling us to this level of maturity. Now, how do I grow? Let me give you four quick points to understand how we grow. The first one's real simple. You can evaluate yourself and your growth right here. These four points. Number one, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. I grow by hearing the Word of God. By hearing, reading, learning about the Word of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 as we grow that way. Now, in Luke chapter 10, there's this passage. There's this passage where Mary and Martha are preparing for Jesus to be in their home. And Martha's all just gone nuts trying to get everything just right and work that, you know, food for the guys that are all coming with him and all this. And she's just busy, 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 busy. And Mary's just going, Jesus is here. That's awesome. I'm going to go listen because he's talking. And she sits down at his feet. And she has personal word time with Jesus. And here's what Jesus says when Martha pitches her little fit. Okay. And some of you are Martha types. You're like busy. I'm a task. I'm a Martha person, by the way. That's not a gender thing. I'm just telling you, I'm today you got to be careful. I'm just saying I'm a lot like her in my task abilities. And I struggle. I struggle because I want to go do, do, do. And Jesus goes, sit down. Stop. And listen to me for a little bit. Let's talk. Let's interact. Let's fellowship. And here's what Jesus says. Um, Mary had a sister, or Jesus had, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. And here's what Jesus says about her. She has chosen the better part. She did this right. You say, well, who's going to make the food? Well, maybe all of them. Maybe, maybe Jesus was going to say, hey, guys, y'all get up and help the ladies after we have this little talk. Could y'all get up and help all the ladies do that? You know, could, could, could y'all help get this done now that we've had this little talk? Because Martha was here and Mary was here and there's, there's not any food. Maybe that's what was going to happen. Martha wasn't thinking like that. She was all about missing the moment with Jesus so she'd get all her dues done. I'm the do-done guy. I love getting stuff done. And Jesus just has to bump me in the head a whole lot and go, sit down. Listen to me. So there's this beautiful passage about personal word time, and that's one of the greatest ways you can grow is your personal word time. You can evaluate yourself in that. How are you doing in your personal word time? I was really encouraged at the uh, retreat we went to and got zero sleep. Um, 5, 4.30 in the morning, Josh Wadier, um, you know, comes climbing out of his bunk bed and about crushes everybody under him, me and other people, and uh, quietly leaves this room full of snoring, sleeping kids and goes outside and uh, or goes into another room, and when I find him, he's got the Word open, and he's reading and studying the Scriptures. And I'm like, that's awesome. You know, a little while later, Cody's up, and he's out on the balcony of this place we're staying, looking over this beautiful Lake Martin with the sun coming up. And he's reading the Scriptures, and I'm going, now those guys are showing a check mark, mark of maturity. They're growing. That's the way you grow right there. The second way you grow is to have a community word time. The Bible says we're supposed to have both. A personal word time and a community word time. Personal word time is on your own. Community word time is when you get together 
with other believers just like you are here. So I'm preaching to the choir. You've applied this already. Good for you. Yay, give yourself a check mark. You're growing because you're here. This is one of the ways you can grow spiritually. Fellowshipping and hanging out with other believers under the Word of God. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food. Day by day, attending temple together. They were together in the temple, hanging out with each other. Community word time. You get under the sound word of God in your fellowship of your community. And that's a big part of what we're supposed to be doing. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. You're going to hear me say this a whole lot as we go into our rebooting series. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. Well, how would we do that? To the writer of Hebrews we would say, well, how would we do that? By not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day, capital D, the day drawing near. Anybody believe the day where all this ends and, and there's kingdom of God stuff beyond all this um, and judgment of God and wrath of God, all that's coming along? Maybe you believe that's coming pretty soon because you can watch the markers on the calendars. You need to ask Larry about something about, uh, is it Tuesday? A big meeting on Tuesday coming up, the international global thing. Okay, got a bunch of people worried. Big, big news, right? As you see the day drawing near, what am I supposed to do? Well, I'm supposed to be not neglecting meeting together. So once again, check yourself. You're good, good job today. You know, Lord's, Lord's saying, hey, you were in church today. Good. Got your attendance record going. By the way, you're not saved because you're attending church. Okay. You're not even going to be okay because you're attending church, but you're supposed to be growing. The grace came differently. The growth comes under this teaching and under, under good teaching where you're following the Lord. We grow together with others, with others. You got to be together with others. And by the way, growing with others is far easier. If you're willing to share and be authentic with others, you're going to experience stronger growth. One of the best ways you can grow is to be real, not pretend. One of my pet peeves um, at church, and all of y'all know this, and we're pretty good at it at our church, but you don't come in here pretending to be something you're not, pretending like you don't have any problems or pretending like you're better or worse than anybody. Just be real. If you're having a very bad day, that's okay because we have grace to help cover you. If you're having a very good day, help cover somebody's grace or somebody's bad day with your grace of your good day. That's how we function together. But we have to grow together. The family's meant to be together. Um, and and so, some people who sit outside this church family and they watch it from a distance, they sit outside of our, our growth groups and our church family here and they watch from a distance wishing they had some friends or experiences like those. I've got people I'm reaching out to for years. I've been trying to get them just to we just come park in the building once or twice. Give us a couple of Sundays to try to love you into a fellowship because you're dying. You're, you're dying out here. You're not growing by yourself. You can't grow sitting in your home all by yourself. Now, even if you have your personal word time, your spiritual growth is not going to be totally complete because you're not applying the body life that's necessary. Second way to grow. Faith comes by growing and bring you get real joy in your life as we obey. O-B-E-Y. Obey. That's how we grow, is we obey. Now you're meddling again, Pastor. A minute ago it was really fun, now you're meddling. 
I can have my word time. I might even show up to church. But you're saying I actually have to follow God's plan? Yes, as we obey. John 15 uh, is a beautiful passage in John 15. And it's Jesus gives three big promises in John 14. There's actually six if you break them down, uh, each one of the big ones into smaller ones. There's actually uh, six promises in that beautiful chapter. And in John 15, he's having a very intimate talk with his disciples. I just want to read you a quick verse where he says, because this is this is the I am the vine, you're the branches passage. And he's just talking to his core disciples. The, the twelfth disciple, Judas, has left um, to go betray him. So it's really just the guys that are going to change the world. Some of the greatest guys ever. And he actually says these words, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So if you keep, if you obey my commandments, these things I have spoken to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be made full. Well, do you think your faith would be stronger if you're filled up with Jesus' joy or you have no joy? Obviously, your faith gets incredibly strong when you're filled with Jesus' joy. And here's what he's saying. If you will just obey me, I'll fill you up with my joy. Not your joy, that's the fake kind. But I'll fill you up with my joy, the joy of Jesus. What kind of joy is that? Well, it says in Hebrews, who for the joy set before him was willing to endure the cross. He would go through hard, suffering times to love other people. He had strength of character, strength of heart, strength of mind. It's one of the strongest things you'll ever know, find is what joy can do to a heart. But it can't be your joy. It has to be His joy. His joy gives hearts real strength, real strength of character to endure crosses, to endure shame and rejection and still walk with God and receive the blessings and the benefits. That's what the kind of joy it's talking about. So, so we grow when we, when we obey these promises and these, these commands that God's given us. Here's three areas that we're called to obey early in our faith. <laughs> and like teenagers, you could ask, well, is this going to be on the test? Yes. And listen to me. This is going to be on the test. Capital the, capital T, when the capital D day gets here. This stuff's going to be on the test. Okay. And there will be a final. There will be a final, okay? This is important, okay? Here's how you test your obedience, because obedience is a marker of loving Christ. God says, if you love me, really love me, if you get grace and love me, you're going to grow by obeying me. So how do I check that? Well, I'll give you three really quick ones. One, the first thing he asked us to do as believers is just follow him in baptism. That was a simple thing. Now, we don't talk about that a ton here at our church, because um, we're not like a Baptist church, um, although we are kind of like a Baptist church, but we're not a Baptist church. But we don't talk about baptism every single Sunday, and we don't try to, you know, pressure you in that. But it is an act of obedience that comes with getting saved. All through the New Testament, when guys got saved, they would be saved and baptized. You read the book of Acts, it's saved and baptized, saved and baptized, saved and baptized. Because the baptism doesn't do anything to, for the salvation. That happens through grace alone, by faith alone, through grace alone, and Christ alone. The baptism was to say, hey, I publicly want everybody to know I just changed bosses. I'm not the boss of me anymore. He who paid for my sins is the boss of me. That's what baptism says. 
And everybody that knows Christ your Lord and Savior should be baptized. And a bunch of you have been baptized. Some of you have even, you know, had fun with over here in our pond. And we would love to do that again. And we're at, I'm asking you right now, I was going to start to say, when it, when it warms back up, but we're in Mobile, so it's always warm. Um, but we, we try to do baptisms when the water temperature is a little bit higher than it probably is after that cool spell we had. But we would love to have baptisms, as many Sundays as we need to have them, to, to, to bring you into a fellowship of obedience just to go, hey, I just want to publicly testify to God and, and take a step of obedience because he asked me to. And he asked me to. So um, Acts chapter 16, 14 through 15. There's a great passage there where um, Lydia, and uh, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And so there's a beautiful picture of baptism in, in all of that because it's, it's an outward sign of obedience and a declaration of public, public declaration that you got a new boss. That's what it is. And we've had some great kids uh, baptized and some adults as well. So... Um, Church attendance is the second one. Now you're getting personal. Yep, church attendance. We just read it a minute ago. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's not a request by the guy that's designing all this for us to live in harmony, to live in joy, to live in spiritual life and growth and have, have a hope and a future. The designer of all this, capital D, designer, said don't neglect getting together with each other. If you're neglecting that, you're disobeying, and that disobedience is going to be very costly. I just preached that in the last point, and it's really important to put it in this point because it's a marker. This is on the test. It's a marker where you can go, hey, are you attending church regularly? When I have people come to me with all kinds of problems, they sit in my office, they know me from some other connection or some other thing, and they're, they're, they're talking to me about their problems, just dumping their problems, dump, dump, dump. And I go, so have you told your church family about that? Well, we don't go to church anywhere. Why? Well, we just hadn't ever really found one we liked. And I'm like, you know, a good church would solve that almost instantly, would jump right up in the middle of all that and help your children adjust here and help you adjust here and even adjust your finances to where we, you know, there'd be people in church that could probably come over and fix that or help that or do that. I mean, that's what churches do, right? That's what they're supposed to do. It's what we do. Why? Don't people just figure that out and go, this is a marker of spiritual growth right here. How Am I growing? Well, if I'm growing, I've got to have regular attendance. By the way, regular attendance, it's funny because there's all these online surveys and there's companies that check out churches now. And you know they've changed the standard of what regular attendance is to church. When I was a kid, you had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And regular attendance meant Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night you're at church. And if you went out of town for vacation once a year, you got to miss like three of those, a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But you always came back before the next Sunday, so you weren't out of church two Sundays because you didn't want the pastor to think you'd left. That's awesome, by the way. I miss that system. Just telling you all, I miss that system. Okay? Because you know what they call regular attendance now to a church? It's sad. Twice a month. If you show up twice a month, and I'm talking about like, hey, I came one Sunday and then I dropped by like on a Wednesday night during one of those little cookout things y'all did, I'm good. I got a regular church I go to. No, you don't. No, you don't. Sorry if that offends you. Okay, I'm looking around. I don't think it offends anybody here. But I'm just telling you, it's dangerous to not have regular attendance. How are you going to grow? 
How are you going to take the next step in your strategy of living and your strategy of following Christ? How are you possibly going to do that if you can't get here and attend church regularly? And then addressing sin in your life. Here's a marker. It's a marker of spiritual growth. These are important ways that we prove our obedience. Romans 1 says, How shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? How shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I was, my heart was just pounded out of my chest yesterday, um, just celebrating God. Um, walking, I was walking with Josh and Josh and Cody and Brandon were ahead of me on this trail that led up to this cabin, this place we were going to speak. And they were in some incredible discussion about gluttony. And I think Cody was declaring himself that he had given up on it and he was just going to be a glutton. That was going to be that. I'm not sure exactly because I was behind it, so I didn't really hear the whole conversation. I just know that as they rounded this corner to go and I'm listening to them blabber like they do as millennials about crazy things. Oh my gosh. I'm listening to them have this conversation from a distance and gluttony's in the conversation somewhere and I'm just done. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be a glutton forever. There's all this happening. I hear two guys from the, from the group say this verse to them. Well, how shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And I mean, you talk about a pastor's heart going, yes! That's exactly right! You grow that guy up, man. Get that gluttony spirit off of him right now. No more food for you, buddy. You know? I mean, I'm just saying, we're supposed to change. We're supposed to change. How should we continue in sin? When what he did cost him so much. And everybody he touched in his life, he told him to change. The adulterous woman thrown at his very feet, caught in the act of adultery that morning. She's a sinner. And by the way, she wasn't trying to find a way to repent. But she was a sinner caught in her sin and immediately sentenced to death because that's the way the Jewish law worked. Be no trial. They're just going to drag you outside the city and stone you to death. They throw her at the feet of Jesus in the temple because they want to trick him too and get him out of the temple from teaching. But they threw him at the feet of the one redeeming person ever that doesn't have any sin. And he set her free from that. But here's how he did it. He said, I will take your punishment. See, there was only... Remember, Jesus told the woman, as long as you're not... Or told the men, you can stone her as long as you're not guilty of this sin. You can stone her to death. And all those men knew they had lust in their hearts. They knew they were sinners. And they had to leave the temple unable to execute this woman that was caught in sin that deserved to die. She deserved to die by law, by God's law. There's one person in that temple that didn't have any sin at all. He's the guy that could say, now I need to take you outside. Sorry. But I get to take you outside the temple walls and I'm going to stone you to death because you were caught in sin. And my father says, wages of sin is death. So I'm going to take you out. That's not what he does. He stands her up and he looks her in the eye and he goes, woman, where is anybody to accuse you? There's only one guy in the room that can accuse and it's standing right here looking at you. Where is anybody to accuse you? And she says, nobody, Lord. And he just makes it crystal clear. Neither do I condemn you. That's grace. And here's the growth moment. Now go and sin no more. Stop doing what you were doing. See, he's saying you got to change. Your life's supposed to address the sin in your life. Don't make excuses for your struggles in sin, your, your gluttony. Cody, please get over that. 
Don't make excuses for your sin. Okay? Don't make excuses for your bad language that you think you can't ever stop using. Don't make excuses for your, your, your lustful eye or your, your, your jealous heart of people's stuff. Don't make excuses for that stuff. Get in a good, healthy church body. Meet some Christians that are wrestling the fight out with you. Hold each other's hands and make it happen. And help each other. And change. Grace means you gotta change. You gotta change. Jesus expected that of everybody he healed, and everybody he touched, and everybody he showed grace to, and everybody he died for. He just expects that to happen. He set us free from all of that. Third, our faith grows, and here's the fun one. You'll love this one. Our faith grows in trials. That's how God wants us to grow up, by the way. You say, well, why does God allow trials? Because we're immature. Time to grow. Do you know why teachers give homework? It's a trial. Teachers give homework and lots of classwork because they mean to try you. They're putting you on trial to see if the information that you're getting is functional in your life. That's what homework is. That's what schoolwork is. It's a teacher saying, here's the data. Here's how to do it. Now, try this. So God puts us on trial and lets our car break down. I'm just pointing at, you know, people whose cars break down all the time. Okay? God puts us on trial to see how are you going to handle that? Do you need help with that? Yes, God, I do. In, in, in Matthew chapter, uh, or John chapter six, rather, when he, when he puts us on trial in John chapter six, therefore Jesus lifting up his eyes, seeing that a large crowd was coming to see him. By the way, it's 10,000 people. He looks at Philip and he goes, Philip, test moment, pop quiz. Where are we going to buy bread to feed these 10,000 people? Nowhere humanly possible on planet earth at the time to do that, by the way. It's an impossible question. Some of y'all heard me teach on this. It's an impossible question. This he was saying in order to, to test him for he himself. He, Jesus knew what he was going to do. He's going, I'm just going to test you. I'm just testing you now. We'll test. How you doing? Hey, doctor says, um, you know, something's wrong with the last test results. Would you, would you come in? We need to talk to you. A little test from God going, hmm. How you going to handle that? How you going to handle that? Boss says, uh, we may be having to do some layoffs next month. Hmm. We'll test. We'll try. Right? He tests us all the time. Why? Because it's the only way we grow. James chapter 4 says this. I'm sorry, James chapter 1, uh, 1 through 4 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Not like this. But mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Grow up. Grow up is what he's saying. How are we going to grow up? You're going to have to go through test. Now, Romans 5, not in your notes, but you should add it here. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, the only way you grow in a trial is if you stay under the trial. Mm. You know why Paul had to write that? Because there are a lot of Christians going, hey, I'm going to go through this trial. No, I'm going to do it my way. See, we go through, we go through marriage trials. Some of y'all might have marriage trials. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's when y'all aren't getting along. <laughs> you have marriage trials. We go through marriage trials. Some people go, hey, I got, I'm going to find a new way 
I got, I got another thing I'm going to do over here. I, I figured this out. Kind of like I was telling the youth groups this weekend. We got this little word we use all the time. They go, I got this, God. God, I got this. A lot of people, when they're going through marriage trials, Christian couples, marriage trials, they come up with a new plan. And that's not staying under the trial. That's not going to mature you. It's actually going to damage you. You're actually going to go backwards. Now. You're going to get hurt. And you're going to hurt a lot of people, and you're going to eventually get in a lot more hurt. You're going to make a lot bigger messes down the road. It's just dangerous for us to think outside of those trials. The trials are meant to mature you. Don't you want to be mature? Please say yes. I don't want to pastor a bunch of babies. I just don't. Okay? All right, here's the last one. We grow best under accountability of small groups. We grow best under accountability of small groups. At our church, we're calling these growth groups. And you see that you see the information we've had around there. A bunch of you signed up for them. We had, uh, Marie, what do we have? 50, 42 adults in growth groups this past week. You know what that means? We're growing. It means I don't care about numbers growing. It means we're spiritually growing. It means we're getting it. We're saying, God, your grace matters. I want to learn more. I want to mature. I want to figure this out. I want to be uninvited. That's one of our growth groups, uninvited. It's the funniest growth group name to me ever. Hey, I'd like to be invited to the uninvited group. Well, you're, you're uninvited to that. Okay. I mean, you're invited. Sorry. And then there's the unashamed group. That's a good one. <laughs> okay. We got the uns. I, the guys are, uh, not unin at all. We're warring. So we're art of warring. Whew. Right? But we're going to grow. Anybody that sticks with that, man, Kurt was awesome this past week. Got us some weapons and he started taking off. Okay. That's next week. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I mean, it's awesome. He, he did some biblical stuff. Just really awesome. I'm growing sitting under his teaching. Can't wait to hear more of it. The truth is we grow when we get in these smaller groups. Real life change happens in small groups. Real life change happens in small groups. That's one of our values. The book of 1 Corinthians has a whole passage about that. I'm not going to read it to you, even though my son probably stayed up all night trying to type it on the computer. So, sorry about that. But I just want you to know, real growth, growth happens when you, when you connect to the fellowship of believers. You got to get connected to Christ. That he's the, we're the vine, he's the vine, we're the branches. So you gotta be connected to him, but then you gotta be connected to the life of the church. And that's what 1 Corinthians 12 is all about, the life of the church. We're body life. We're the body life of all of that. And you've got some passages printed on your handout there that'll help you with that. Jesus appointed 12 disciples to sit with him when he sat down and ate. Those disciples were to hang out with him when he was just going to go hang out somewhere. When he walked into the temple and did his ritual of the temple of the day and then sat down in the outer courts to talk, they were supposed to hang out with him there while he was talking. They, they were supposed to live life and ministry and walk the roads with him as he walked roads. He appointed 12 guys for that. He knew the power of a small group. He didn't appoint 500, 300, or 100. He didn't appoint 50. He took 12 guys and he said, I need, a, I need a life group. I need a growth group. I need a little growth group, guys. Time to grow up. And by the way, he put them through trials. He gave them information. He put them through trials. He knew the power of small groups. Jesus chose 12 men that 11 of them, and you add Paul in later, but you got 12 guys that changed the course of the world we live in today. You're here because those 12 men presented the gospel 
over and over and over, planted churches over and over and over until somebody planted a church in 8 Mile, Alabama, right here on the backside of Mobile. Right here. You're here because those 12 guys were in his growth group and went, oh, get this. Your grace changes everything. i got to grow up. i got to apply my spiritual gifts into life and i got to learn to give my whole life fully surrendered to God so that the trajectory of other people's lives will be different and so that one day Stan Givens can stand here and teach a bunch of people how to do the exact same thing. Just over and over, we just repeat the cycle. How did Jesus do that? Well, here's His design. It's real simple. You just fill it in on the bottom of your sheet and we're done today. You walk together through life events. You walk together through life events. That's not complicated. just means when you're going somewhere, you take somebody. I took a bunch of guys with me this weekend in the van because I didn't want to load all this equipment by myself now. I just want to do life with those guys. I love those guys. We had just a blast. And it was just awesome. It was hard, by the way. But it was awesome. And I just like doing life with guys. I don't like to go by myself. When I went to the revival in Georgia, took my son. I like doing life with Josh. Just do life with people. You don't do it by yourself. When you get ready to go, I keep telling our youth guys, when you get ready to go shopping for groceries, find some kid that's bored out of his mind at home and take him with you to grocery shop. They're really good at getting stuff off shelves and putting it loading up your you know, big dog food bags and all that for you. And it's good time with them. You can do life with other people. That's what Jesus did. He did life with other people. Life with other people. Secondly, he did study and meditation and listening times with the master. You just he, he sat him down and said, hey, let's talk about this. Remember the story I was telling Dave while we were just walking along? I was telling you this story about a sower went forth to sow seeds. And they're like, oh, yeah. Hey, what did you mean by all that? He goes, oh, let me tell you what that means. And he, he helps explain it to you. That's where you got to sit down and get into the word and figure out the master said all this stuff right here. I need to learn this stuff. And then Jesus goes, hey, let's go for another walk. So the third one is, let's walk together through some more life events. Now that we got that information, let's put it back on the road. See how it goes. Let's get on a mission field. Let's go find somebody we can serve. Let's go find a needy single mom in a neighborhood or a widow lady in a neighborhood that doesn't have anybody to clean her gutters or wash her windows and her house is just struggling. Let's find somebody that we can go, hey, Let's do a little life event together that looks like what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus would do. He'd go, hey guys, let's go walk through here and see if we can help these people. By the way, y'all go out and just do a little, uh, just, just do a little walk and prayer through here and do some healing and talk to these people about the stuff going on in their life. Tell them the same thing I did. Y'all go do that for a little while. And y'all come back. We're going to walk together for a little while. And then Jesus says, now we're going to minister truth in all these life events. When we walk in these life events from here on out, we're going to be ministering truth. In these life events. That's how growth works. And you can test yourself today. We're called by God to bond together with a handful of other growing believers in what the Bible would call, what I love to call, discipleship. It's my passion to disciple people. I spent some time this weekend with these... They were little kids for me. They were college and high school kids when I met them. Now they're all grown up. They've got kids of their own. And their kids were in this youth group. And they're going, man... That's my son Clay. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I remember when you were like that. I'm, I was literally able to disciple this weekend, disciple grandkids of kids that I disciple. You talk about my heart just pounding out of my chest and also me being terrified, sort of feeling overly responsible for a bunch of kids going, oh man, I got to get this right. These, you know, but it was awesome to be with them. Discipleship is so important and we're supposed to get in a group 
of believers in discipleship and have relationships with each other that will ultimately change the world. That's how it works. That's how Jesus did it. That's how He asked us to do it. Now listen to this last sentence and we're done. We're going to sing one song as I finish out so that my band guys come on up. Grace will come into your life much easier. You want grace in your life? The Bible said he gives, he gives grace to humble people. And He will pour out His grace on you much easier when you stop striving and working with Jesus. Listen to me. Stop striving and working with Jesus and start just walking with Him. You know, He says, my burden is easy, my yoke. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's literally talking about a big ox and a little ox walking together. A, a young baby ox trainer being trained with a big old heavy strong ox. And he says, hey, just get hook up next to me. I'll carry the load. You just got to walk beside me. A lot of us in our trials, we run outside around him. We're not walking beside him. He's going, just walk with me. Right? Grace comes so much easier if you'll stop striving to be all you're supposed to be and fix all this stuff in your life and make it all right. Stop striving to fix it. Just start walking with Jesus and saying, Lord, I'm listening. If you need me to repent of something, if you need me to handle something, there's something I did back there or way back there or right here. You want me to change that? I'll change it. I'm not going to strive over it. I'm just going to do what you say. I'm going to be obedient. Because life change happens when we get in little groups and help each other learn to be obedient. I would never have been obedient in high school if it hadn't been for a small group in a Sunday school class that Larry Ezel helped teach. In a little room up there that's now an office. I met in that room with a whole bunch of little kids and, and, and Larry would just challenge us with Bible verses and teach us scripture. And then we would sit down and go, how are we gonna, how, I'm not gonna let you do bad. You don't let me do bad. That's, that's grow groups going, come on, help me. And I mean, we had a lot of temptation. My, in my day, there were party, there were alcohol parties everywhere. And every weekend, all, most everybody in our, our little church group was invited to some crazy alcohol party somewhere to get drunk and do stupid stuff. To this day, I've never had a drop. Well, took communion in Romania one time, almost killed me, by the way. <clears throat> Didn't know that was real stuff. Whew. Okay? And I don't care if you drink alcohol. It's not, that's not important. It's not, it's not a sin to drink alcohol. It's a sin to abuse any of it. But, you know what I'm saying? There was a time in my life when that was a horrible temptation. And God had to put a bunch of young people around me and go, no, nope, not us, man. I'm not going to let you do it. You don't let me do it. Can't you just get in one of our growth groups and help yourself? Just just expose what's struggling, what you're struggling with. You're frustrated and fearful and hurting over some stuff. Just get out there and let, let a growth group help you. All right. Let me close in prayer. Father, the truth is there are no orphans. <clears throat> there are no strangers. There are no outcasts of You. You are the God who has embraced us all. And we have all been broken and You have shown us grace. And we owe You in that moment. We owe You that we would grow now. You deserve for us to grow. So I'm asking You to help everyone here be willing to come out tonight to our study where we finish out talking about growing. And uh, we see how to help each other grow even better. We'd ask you to, to be a part of our church life. Let it grow into this community so that this community can experience grace and growth. In Jesus' name, amen.